I think we are definitely loosened up. So, uh, you should have an outline. It should say the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And my purpose here is not to go into every little detail of this, but to give you an overview of how the Holy Spirit works, Old Testament and New Testament, and this incredible plan He has for us, and um, how personal He is, and uh, how broad He is. But the Spirit of God is something that was returned to the church in dynamic form in the 20th century. Uh, it was operating all through the centuries, especially in the first few centuries, but as we moved on through history, we had this time of uh, kind of some dead spots, and then all of a sudden we began to see in the beginning of the 20th century a new move of God across the face of the earth. So powerful, it's still pummeling the world today, and as we enter the 21st century, now more than ever, are we experiencing the miracles and the signs and wonders and the gifts that the Spirit gave to the early church and that we see actually in the pages of the Bible as a matter of fact, the pages of the Bible are being lived out. They're being uh, followed through all over the earth right now. And it's amazing because sometimes um, uh, our culture where we live, we suffer from a worldview problem, which I talk a lot about in my, my class uh, called Life in the Spirit, because um, we come to the world with certain suppositions that we were sort of taught unbeknowingly. And, uh, and so it's more of a secular worldview. You'll see the difference uh, when you go to a place like, uh, you know, India or Sri Lanka or Africa or a place, and you, you see how the people believe and how they think and everything, right? And uh, so they have no problem in believing in demons or angels or whatever. They're routinely dealing with the demonic side all the time. So what a relief when they find out that someone can actually bind demons and, and actually get them free. This is the same worldview that we had in Jesus' time. But our worldview is more of a secular worldview, so we tend to think a little bit uh, less spiritually. We don't put that first. We don't think that of spiritual things as the cause or the root of things, right? And, um, and so uh, in, in life, uh, that'll get you somewhere. I think the things that have happened with regard to mathematics, science, logic, all of it, it's just been a tremendously productive thing in some ways in terms of advancing civilization and help it. But that worldview uh, is going to do us in if we're not work- careful because there's a different worldview now being imposed on the world, and it's a highly demonic worldview. It's a supernatural worldview, by the way. But because the church didn't fully embrace, especially in the West, uh, Western world, the supernaturalness of God, one of our big problems is that our youth have been finding the supernaturalness of God, uh, supernaturalness, but it's the other side, right? And so we just, uh, God's really helping us in this time to, Helping, especially in our churches, and he's bringing new spirit, supernatural vigor to the churches. And so, sometimes it's really important just to take a little review. And I'm just going to review a little bit. We've been like we've been saying, we've been uh, worshiping for quite some time now. We had incredible worship time last night. It was like one of the most dynamic worship things I've ever been in last night. It was just so incredible, and um, and just the worship in in the little room over here, just so nice. I love worship. You know why I love worship? I love worship not because I love music. I like music. But I worship because I love the Holy Spirit. He's always there. He loves worship. He loves to be where worship is. So you can be assured where there's worship, and especially constant worship, the Holy Spirit's there. So uh, it's just so nice. And that's why we kind of like to take a break and just do that, because we get not only is it the right thing to do and an honoring thing to do, but the Spirit of God shows up. 
in all kinds of little things and big things, right? So my purpose here to, uh, tonight, my purpose tonight, is to specifically help people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, the thing is, what I mean by that is in an introductory way, where you get your prayer language, and maybe it's funny how uh, people, young people and kids and everybody, we just have a unique ability to do that. We just basically, at some point in the service, line people up, and then we just pray for them to receive their prayer language, receive tongues, receive this baptism in the Spirit. Now, I do that all the time in my life in the Spirit class, but I found when we do this at least one time a year where we're actually after it, it's amazing the breakthrough people get. So maybe you've been stuck in that, or maybe you know you have a child that's been interested, or whatever, children, whatever. And all we do is we, there's maybe, there'll be probably 20 or 30 lined up across the front, and I'll just say receive, you know, I'll talk a little bit about this. Because I, I, sometimes in our culture, it's really important. You know, it's so funny because I can do this in different cultures. Like I'll tell you, I'll give you an example. I go to Cambodia, right? We preach the gospel, right? And then uh, say, anybody wants to be saved, come on up, right? And then I say, there's this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray for you. And when I pray for you, you're going to speak in a different language. Everybody got that? I mean, they, they don't even know anything, right? And then we do it, and they start speaking and falling down. and jump. I mean, I'm not doing anything. I just told them what was going to happen. They don't have any reference. There's no TBN, right? There's no, like, people on TV pushing people or any of that. You know, and then what's more, there's such a um, supernatural world. It's crazy. I was telling people, I, I don't know why somebody reminded me of it again. I think it came up in my life in the spirit class. And I was telling them how one time I tried to get a bunch of people. It was in the India megasphere again. I was in this really remote, remote, remote place. Oh, my gosh. It was so remote, you know, and I'm standing in a little tiny church. And uh, <laughs> so funny. So I... Okay, whoever wants to be saved, you know, come up at the front, right? So there's like 15 people. But every time we got to the place where I, we say, repeat after me, pray, I would like to receive Jesus, my Lord and Savior. None of them could say it. And they'd start manifesting and falling on the floor, crawling on the floor like snakes, hissing and crying and screaming. And I thought, oh, um, maybe you didn't understand me right. Okay. So we got to calm down. Okay, okay we're going to try this again, right? Okay, now, if you want to receive Jesus, you know, and then just pray after me. So da, 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 they're praying with me. And, they said, and I would like now to receive Jesus. They couldn't even say Jesus. Down on the floor they go. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. I've got to do deliverance before I can even get these people saved. So I just... we. We just had this little mass deliverance service, which I didn't even tell them what that was. I just told the things to leave in Jesus' name. Out they come, moaning, groaning, railing on the floor. Some are crawling on the floor like snakes. <laughs> I mean, it was the craziest, most bizarre thing. I'm thinking, oh, this has got to be the most bizarre event in my life. I wish I had a camera or somebody. I, and I'm there all alone. I'm there with all these people, and I'm just watching. And the guys I was with didn't seem to have a problem with it, right? They, you know, this is like, and I said, well, what? So I thought, okay, fine. So I just started rebuking the demons out of the people. Now let's pray to receive Jesus. Then they stand up. Okay, fine. And then they, I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. They're all standing there crying, having a good time. Now what in the world is going on there? I'm, clearly there's a difference here in worldview, a different way of doing things, right? And uh, so the problem is most of the rest of the world, all they know is demons, right? So we're somewhere in this gray area in our culture, right, where we've... We're not as demonized, although I worry about it. 
as the culture goes on, this is crazy. What's being introduced? Totally idolatrous, demonic, horrible things are being introduced. They come from another worldview. That come from that same worldview I'm talking about of other parts of the earth, right? They have been inundated with for years and years and years, right? And, and so here we see it coming into our own culture, coming into our own culture. This bizarre behavior, you know, the, all the movements and things you see that just look so crazy. So we're living in a incredibly spiritual world like we always have. It's always been that way, but now more than ever. So I think it might be good for Christians to know who the Holy Spirit is and experiencing Him, right? And actually get a hold of the right power, right? So you can then do battle with the wrong power, right? And you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what I do tonight is I just go through it. Why? Just show you how the disciples, how it flowed, so you get a good scriptural reference for that, right? And then we just talk about it, and then we pray and ask who would like to receive their prayer language. Usually, you could get baptized in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, and I'm talking about in this encounter way, like the early disciples did. I mean, here we got them in the Pentecost. It was an event. It was a time, a certain time, boom, the Spirit fell, and the church was born, right? And then it happened like that. You look through Acts. You just look at each story. Same thing. Come across a group of believers, you know, boom. And you know what was most surprising? One of the first things that happened was they had to go to Samaria, they hated the Samaritans. And then the people get saved. And they're absolutely shocked. And then they're doubly shocked that when they pray for them, they start speaking in tongues. They go, oh my gosh, the Samaritans, they're with us. The Samaritans are with us. The Jews are not going to like this very much. This is horrible, but they are with us. And they had to send Peter and John specially to go there just to make sure. Because they couldn't believe that the Samaritans were received. But Jesus had already been preceding, right? But the proof in the pudding was when he prayed for them and they received this baptism of the Holy Spirit and they started speaking. That's when they knew, oh, oh my gosh, this is real. That's how they knew all over the world. That's how they knew the Gentiles, same thing. All the way through Acts, you see the same progression. First the Jews in Jerusalem and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's being given to Gentiles and Samaritans and all kinds of people. And then they get the, oh my gosh, he did mean go to the whole world. Right? That's how they knew. Right? Okay. So... I'm just going to take a few a few references uh, through here. We've already had a nice ministry time and, and stuff. And I'm going to try to do this in about 25 minutes, which is going to be a miracle in itself, God. And, uh, I'm going to be walking on water to do that, but I'll do it. And uh, because what I'm for tonight, when, I'm, when I get to the evening session, I start going through, okay, for all of you that just need a little bit more information on this, Right? We're an information-oriented culture, so we just need to know. What do you mean? And show me in the Scripture. A, B, C. So I do that tonight. A, B, C, D. But the great thing about the Holy Spirit is if you look at my outline, it says the Holy Spirit in the Bible. So there's some ignorance that exists about the person of the Holy Spirit. But He's everywhere, all through the way, from beginning to end, right? He's not a ghost. He has all the characteristics of a person. He thinks. He speaks. He leads. He can be grieved. Interestingly enough, He can be grieved. And you see all these things. He is sometimes described as the Spirit of Christ or as the Spirit of Jesus. He is described in John 14, 16 as the parakletos. And this is an interesting term. It's a Greek term. And if you translate, it carries the idea of one called alongside to help, counselor, comforter, or encourager. So that's what the Holy Spirit is. The thing is, you've got to get close enough to the Holy Spirit to hear Him encourage and help and strengthen you, right? Right? Turns out He's more than up for it, right? That's why we call it being filled with the Holy Spirit or the word baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's five synonyms we'll talk about tonight. Baptized, immersed. That means to be immersed in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes upon you, right? 
Those are three of those synonyms, right? So one of his ministries is to reveal the person of Christ and his teaching to believers. So the Spirit receives from Jesus, and then he, and then he guides us into everything we need to know, right? So he takes of what's the Lord's and puts it on us. So the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is just a fascinating subject because the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. We all know that. He came upon a particular people at a particular time for specific tasks. So it was more at that time, in that dispensation of the Old Testament, he had come on in interesting ways on people. And I just think it's fascinating. Get it ready, all you artists. It's fascinating. He enabled Bezalel to excel in artistic craftsmanship. So one of the areas that's just such a joy to see restored the church is art, full of the Holy Spirit, inspired by Spirit. You know, think about the Middle Ages and the uh, Renaissance. Think about the art. It's some of the greatest art that was ever produced. It was at the same time that the gospel was coming in a real form in a way that you could read it. And the Protestant Reformation, all that's coming in with all this beautiful artistic artwork and creative stuff, right? And so that's a very much a part of the ministry of the Spirit. And I think as we get filled with the Spirit, we experience God's Holy Spirit more and more. We're going to see more of the most beautiful... Matter of fact, I'm just going to declare this. I declare over this church some of the most beautiful art and artistic renderings and things that have ever been experienced and ever seen. Not to mention the music part. And the music part as well. Some of the most beautiful songs that have ever been written. I just pray. Why not? The Holy Spirit lives in us. He's creative like that. He empowered Gideon for leadership. There's a spirit of leadership that God actually gives. You can see the reference. I mean, Gideon was the funniest thing. He didn't want to lead anything. He was scared half to death. So he gives this, God, okay, if I'm supposed to lead these guys, then I want you to give me this sign. So the Lord kept giving him sign after sign. So fine. So then he does it, right? Totally reluctantly. But God helped him, right? But then when he began to lead, it says the Spirit. If you read those verses, it's fascinating to see the Lord. The Spirit came on him. There's a Spirit that comes on you to lead, to do art, to do all kinds of things, right? He empowered Samson to bring deliverance to the Israelites. Many of us know about that, right? How, how come Samson was so Samson? How come he was so strong? Because the Spirit of God's on him. He had this presence. And then when he neglected God, he lost the power. But he had it. And at the end of his life, the Spirit came on him one last time and destroyed all the Lord's enemies, right? It was a horrible thing. And that right there is a great picture. What a sad thing. It happens too much partially because of the ignorance of, of what God brings and what His gifts are, that people get gifted. They get these amazing things from God, from the Holy Spirit. Then they neglect them or they abuse them and they lose them. Could I just say to you, money is one of those things. Sometimes people make money because they're greedy and they're taking advantage of people. And sometimes they're making money because they're actually called to do it. But their selfishness and their craziness and their individual care can't handle it. And they end up destroying themselves and destroying their lives because when money begins to increase, demons take notice. Because when that begins to happen, then you begin to do all kinds of crazy things, right? Because you begin to manipulate the environment in a way that they don't like. And you know, as well as I do, the highest powers, the highest authorities in our culture right now are not politicians. They are economic people, financially people that are moving the world around, even as we speak, right? But wonder if God could bring finances to us to use in the right way, right? Well, I believe that's part of what God wants to do in this day. He spoke through Old Testament prophets, the arising of prophetic voices that can tell the future, that can actually uh, see things ahead, warn us of things. That's 
a growth in process. We're not doing 100% what we should be, but we're growing in that, trying to learn how to do that. I, frankly, I've told you this before. If you want to know where a real-life prophet is, go no farther than Jonathan Kahn. I have never in my life seen anything like him. I am just totally shocked. The Jewish prophet's coming, and he does it through all these... Like, If you know anything about prophecy, he does it through the symbols. He does it through the... you know, He, he interprets the symbols of Scripture. Sometimes God speaks in dark sayings in ways that you can understand. That man, I'm telling you, he, he is like a walking thermometer. If you've never listened to anything he said, just, he's a, don't just read a book. He's got a lot more to say than that. And he's a walking thermometer of even the outpouring, like for example, that we're seeing of demonic deluge sexually in every way you could imagine right now. And things like that. But the Lord's bringing many prophetic voices, hear voices, to tell us about, hey, do this, do that. You might want to think about that. Now, we're doing better with the prophecy thing. The prophet part gets us a little stumble because people start thinking a little bit too much of themselves and they get ahead of their headlights. So we're working on that too, right? But I'm convinced that in this time, if we ever needed prophets in this day, it's now. It's just that we're just working through how to, how to do that and uh, trying to make sure that we don't get ahead of our headlights and really walk with God in that, right? And the problem is the way money works in this day and the way promotion works sometimes, it's just uh, too much temptation to self-promote. And that just messes up prophetic ministry big time. It's really bad. God promised to do something new through the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. He made covenants with his people in the Old Testament about being their God. He promised to make a new covenant with his people that would be different from previous covenants. He said that even as far back as Jeremiah. He said, you know what? This is okay. I'm walking with you guys, but I'm about to make a new covenant. And it came in Jesus, didn't it? I'm about to do a new thing. So you're my people now, and you're going to always be my people. But I'm about to do something new with you and the whole rest of the earth. It's going to involve everybody, right? He promised that the Holy Spirit would be given to all believers. That means Jews and Gentiles. And we're in the midst of the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the face of the earth that has ever been seen in all of history. And this scripture, this gospel, the kingdom will be preached to the whole world, and then the end comes, has never been more real than right now. Never more real than right now. And the interesting thing about it is in times past where the gospel is moving around the world, people haven't had the communication or the technology to follow what's going on. But we do. And we're able to count and see and understand, and it's just marvelous. The bride of Christ from every corner of the earth is coming forth in this day and this hour. And with it, the Spirit being given to all believers. They speak in tongues in Bhutan. They speak in tongues in Africa. They speak in tongues everywhere. Not that that's the only gift. But this breaking, this baptism of the Spirit, as I'll explain it tonight, is happening all over the earth in every tribe, tongue, and nation. You can try it in any tongue and nation. But matter of fact, most nations are simpler than ours. We get them saved and they said, okay, there's this thing we call speaking in tongues and, and the Spirit of God coming on you and praying. So when we pray for you, just receive the Holy Spirit and then you're going to receive another language you haven't learned. Amen. That's all we say. I've done that like a dozen times. That's all. I don't have a long teaching. You know, I don't go like nine weeks to explain to you the end. I just, okay, fine. They show up, bam. And like, now, receive the Holy Spirit. They start speaking in tongues. All of them, right up and down the road. Not even hardly knowing what they're doing, right? So then we have to instruct them more clearly so we don't, so you don't go the wrong direction with that, right? And what you're doing, what's happening, right? But this is amazing that's going on. To all believers, everywhere we go now, every place, every nook and cranny on the earth, this is happening. So God promises that he would be, 
This would be given to all believers, regardless of gender, age, social status. He would give believers a new ability to hear God. He would he'd be poured out on all believers in abundance. That's what this Joel 2 passage is all about. These promises in Joel were fulfilled, unfulfilled for hundreds of years. In other words, he spoke of this time when the Spirit would come. And so we know that now, but in all the church history, for hundreds and hundreds of years, no one knew what in the world he was talking about. Joel, when he's talked about this, the Spirit of God coming on the earth. Now we look at the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. A trumpet sounds for the activity of the Holy Spirit surrounding the birth of Jesus. So when we go from the Old Testament to the New, a whole new dispensation starts, right? And you notice right away, John the Baptist comes. But what happens to John the Baptist? What makes him different? He's filled with the Holy Spirit while in his mother's womb, for heaven's sake. The Holy Spirit overshadows Mary at Jesus' conception. And one of the coolest things um, about that is that these mothers are together sometime and they're talking about like history, talking about their babies. And when Mary's talking about her baby, the um, the baby jostles in Elizabeth's womb. I mean, we've got these mothers in the kitchen talking about events that are shaking the earth. They're by themselves. There's a little recording of it, right? As Elizabeth, filled with the Spirit, prophesies concerning Jesus. Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesies about Jesus. These are John the Baptist's parents. Simeon is given revelation by the Holy Spirit. He knows that this Jesus is the Messiah by the Holy Spirit. Know that in each instance there's a tangible expression of the activity of the Holy Spirit, whether it's in words or actions. John the Baptist links Jesus with the Holy Spirit in Luke 3.16. The world translated baptized, that means to overwhelm or immerse. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was immersed in the Holy Spirit. After Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, he began his public ministry. That's very interesting. He doesn't start his public ministry until he gets touched by the Holy Spirit. He's modeling something for us. He's modeling something completely new that's about to happen and become actually what the early church would begin to experience, right? Jesus predicted the Holy Spirit's abiding presence in the lives of New Testament believers. He promised that there would be rivers of living water representing the presence of the Holy Spirit would flow from them. Jesus carefully prepared his disciples for his uh, uh, departure. He began to speak to them of what's going to happen. And I want to just maybe read from that particular passage because I think it's particularly instructive. He knew something was about to come that they didn't know, something that was so important and something that actually people still today, even as Christians, don't understand. There's this river of life. There's this baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's this immersion in the Holy Spirit that takes you somewhere, takes you in amazing areas according to your calling and gift. And it could take you into business or art or any direction, right? But especially into your intimacy with the Lord. And so I'm just going to read from John 14. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? He said, look, you see me, you're seeing the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is this Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. At least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater works than these. Because why? Because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And then he keeps going on. If you love me, keep my commands, and, and so on and so forth, right? And so he's getting them ready for the next step that's going to happen, 
what's going to happen, right? He t- he, he's preparing them that they're going to carry on his cause. But they had no idea. He says, when the advocate comes, this is verse 26. Now he's talking about the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father. He will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have begun, been with me from the beginning. So he begins to tell them about this advocate that begins, this other one that's going to come. And he tells them, even in Acts, he, he tells them. He, and matter of fact, interesting thing is, in John chapter 20, we see verses 21 to 22. He's resurrected from the dead, right? But look what he says here in John chapter 20, 21 and 22. He's appeared to them. He's literally physically appearing to them. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with them, that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now look at this. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. He's, he's talking about the ministry of God. When we preach, when people respond, they're forgiven, right? But it's in our hands to tell them. But it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And then he begins to let them know that something new is going to come in. Something's, he's preparing them. Something new is going to happen. He's, he tells me, breathes them, says, receive the Holy Spirit. But, but when it really happens is a few days later in Acts chapter 2. It says... Look at D on your outline. The believers were filled with the Holy Spirit at the beginning of the church. Acts chapter 2. And it surprised them. He kept warning them. I'm coming. I'm coming. But the huge thing that happened and is now in motion today is that now the church does the miracles. Now the church bears witness of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit by this filling of the Holy Spirit. Now these people, Jesus breathed on them several times and had said receive the Holy Spirit before this day of Pentecost come. So why again? Well, this is a formal time. This is a time, and frankly, we need to be refilled and filled all the time, right? But this was different. This was the inauguration of the church. And we see the sound like the blowing of a violent wind comes from the house. It fills the place where they're sitting. There's tongues of fire on them. All who are filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. And people who are around could hear them speaking those other languages. And that's how the church blasted off. What a weird old way to start the church. Man, I'm telling you what. I never would have started the church that way. Matter of fact, it was so weird, Peter has to say, uh, well, here's the first sermon. Uh, guys, uh, these guys aren't drunk. You would think it would be a little bit more like, first of all, i got to settle something. I know we all look drunk, but like, this is the Holy Spirit. So I just want you to know that, right? And then he prophesied. He tells them, okay, this is what it, this is what it looks like. I mean, gosh, if I were Jesus, I would have thought, you know, couldn't I just find a little secret sensitive better way to say this? You know, like, um, you know, you know, I mean, like, like, like maybe just like, okay, John, it's your turn. You stand up there and just, you know, and give a word in, uh, you know, Japanese. And he says, now this is what that meant. This is what it means. No, they're just going off all over the place. And, and people are going, wait, what are you? Hey, I, can, I understand that language. Because all these people from all these t- places were there. And I understand what you're saying. And this is the way God designed it. Total chaos, confusion, craziness but had its own divine order to it. And I'm telling you, those people that heard them speaking in their language, they stayed. And they got baptized in the Lord, and then they began to, the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in tongues. And then what happened? The church blasted off. That meant from the very beginning, this gospel is for all the nations. And that was the symbolism of it. But the power of that speaking in tongues, that initial landing, never left the church. It was common practice. Wherever the believers go, it was their marker when they got to Samaria, these hated Samaritans, I think they were just as disappointed as excited that the Samaritans only received Jesus, but they received this, they started speaking in tongues because they thought, oh no, the Samaritans are in too. Oh my gosh. 
That's how they knew. They had to actually ask for Peter and John to come to Samaria because these people are, Philip's over there leading everybody to Christ. And nobody knows what to do. So they go up there and then they find out that they start speaking in tongues and they go, oh my gosh, they're in. Can you believe it? We've got to be with the Samaritans now. And then it got worse. Romans and all kinds of other peoples. And pretty soon they knew that the gospel was for the world. And they didn't know it. <clears throat> so, anyway, if you look at D there on our outline, it's very end. The Holy Spirit plays a prominent role in the church. The believers were filled with the Holy Spirit at the beginning of the church. The promise in Joel was fulfilled, a pro- prophecy that the Spirit would come hundreds of years old. Peter promised that the, the promise that believers will be indwelt by the Spirit in Acts chapter 2 as he's preaching. The disciples are... Now, here's a weird thing. Look at this. So, okay. And I'll just read this part. So, everybody knows... Most of us in this room know about Pentecost and how the Spirit came and the speaking tongues thing and the church is blasted off. They stay in Jerusalem. They start ministering to other, encouraging one another. And But here's an interesting thing, which is fascinating. And this is why it's so important that we just stay alive in these principles and truth. Look what he says. So... So now it gets a little dicey. People are getting arrested for this thing. It was pretty cool in the beginning, but now people are getting arrested, and there's big problems. Even when they're healing people, people are getting arrested. But look what it says. They're in this prayer meeting. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, now listen to this, the place where they were meeting was physically shaken. By the way, that still happens today. Every once in a while we'll hear a report of something like that. Or of a weird fire burning and nothing's being burned up. Or strange things like this. All across the earth we have phenomena like this. It's the strangest thing. You know, not the strangest thing. It's a Bible thing. The Bible's weird. Come on. The Bible is the weirdest book. If you ever actually read the Bible, it's one of the strangest books you will ever read in your life. How is it that you can academically kind of look at that Bible and look at the weirdest thing and somehow receive it without even thinking that maybe not one of those things that are supernatural even applies to you? It's just sort of a historical weirdo thing, which I don't understand, but I do believe I'm saved, right? Which is supernatural in itself, right? But look what happens. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Wait a minute. How can they be filled with the Holy Spirit? I know good and well when I read Acts chapter 2, they got filled with the Holy Spirit. You mean I need a refill? Yes. You need a refill. <gasps> yes. You leak. I leak, I'll guarantee you that. That's why we keep having night weekends like this. This is why we keep praying for people. That's why we keep coming. I need to be filled over and over and over again. A new impartation. Tonight, I encourage you to bring your friends, neighbors. Some of them will be really new. I'm going to go through real practically. I'll give my testimony, and I always do this. And I go through really in detail. It's best to come to my life in the spirit classes because we get to talk about this a little bit. And then, but on, on these nights, on this Pentecost weekends, what I've done is anybody that would like to come and get filled with the Holy Spirit, maybe you would need to re-up or you'd like a prayer language, you never had that happen to you, I'm going to explain to you just a little bit from the scriptures and then we just line everybody up and we just pray for people and inevitably most of them will end up speaking in tongues and beginning a new life part in the Spirit. Maybe they're already filled with the Spirit, but they just need that part, that, that tongues part. Tongues are a powerful thing. It's not just a silly thing in language and jabbering. It's actually intercessory prayer. That's why it's such a powerful thing. We'll explain that uh, tonight. But I always do that to give us a refill because this is important. This is at the center of world. Jesus is at the center of world history, all right? His coming, his death, his resurrection. But then what he did with those disciples, and I think it's really weird that in John, Acts chapter 2 they get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they find here in Acts chapter 4 they get 
filled with the Holy Spirit. Evidently, you need refills. You need to get refilled and refilled and refilled, which is part of the glory of it, right? It's really powerful to live like that. Several other aspects of believers being filled with the Holy Spirit are recorded in the book of Acts. The Samaritan believers are filled. The newly converted Saul, who was murdering everybody, killing everybody in Jesus' name, got knocked off his donkey. And here's the weirdest thing. He gets knocked off his donkey. Nobody wants to hang around with him anymore. He doesn't know what to do. Finally, one guy goes and he gets the courage enough to go talk to him. And he goes and talks to him. He gets saved and then he gets, I'll be darned, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul, who like 10 minutes earlier is killing people, murdering people, gets saved, right? And nobody wanted to even be around him ever after he's got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit because they're still scared of him. So he had to be gradually introduced to everybody, right? The Gentile Cornelius and his household were filled. This is really what blew everybody out. While it was a Jewish thing and maybe a Samaritan thing, fine. Paul, wow, that's a little iffy. Okay, fine. But then it got to the Samaritans. They hated the Samaritans. They, they regarded them as half-breeds, as people that gave up on Judaism, that had turned to idolatry and turned all of Israel away. and was, they, they blamed them for all their problems and the judgments and all the thing, right? And then lo and behold, uh, lo and behold, uh, the Lord begins to move and amongst the Gentiles. And the household is filled with the Holy Spirit. They get the Holy Spirit and they realize, oh my gosh, this thing's going to the Samaritans and it's going to the Gentiles around the earth. And then they, got, they, had, a really, they had to have a conference about it. You mean to tell me that the church is for the whole world? You mean to tell me that we're going to be witnessing to all, for all over the world now? That's what happened. They had to grip. You know how they knew? The Spirit fell on them while he was preaching. They started speaking in tongues. That's a little time thing called pre-speaking in tongues. That's how they knew. All of world history changed on that moment. When they saw it happen to them, they went, oh my gosh. This is for the Gentiles too. Boy, that blew their theology a little bit. Wow. So it turns out that what Jesus did on the cross is for the entire earth. Brought through the Jews. But for the whole earth. How did they know? They saw the Spirit fall on them. So this thing we call the Spirit and baptism of Spirit, Spirit Jesus, this isn't like some sidelight. This isn't like over in the corner somewhere where you kind of indulge in when you want to be a little wild and a little crazy and, and make fun of. No, this is the heart. The Spirit of God looks different than you. Spirit of God, when you look at the like Bible passages about what's in heaven, you might as well get ready for some weird stuff because there's some weird stuff there in heaven. Last time I checked, this is not like normal stuff. It's this crazy, right? And we have this habit of trying to normalize everything and bring everything into our own context. No, we have this habit of wanting to control everything. That's what's called an American. You want to control everything, right? And we have this habit. We just want to control everything. And then when something's out of control, like speaking in tongues and languages and healing and all this stuff, which just really threatens us. It threatened the church. They had to have a whole conference about, are we going to let the Gentiles in or not? Finally, they said, you know, I don't see how we're going to do it. I mean, and the whole thing was, these people started speaking in tongues like us. For all the reviling, for all you want to say about that, they, that's how they knew, right? Oh, my goodness. And it goes on and on. So Paul admonishes believers to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So once you get touched by the Lord, you can get touched over and over again. And the more you learn that, the more fun you're going to have, right? So we got a little refill today, I think, didn't we? The Spirit at the end, the very end, look what it says. Here's the bride. Who is the bride? That's us. And look what it says. In Revelation 22, 17, the Spirit and the Bride invite Jesus to come again at the end of the age. 22, 17, the Spirit and the Bride say come. And today, that's exactly what's happening. The Spirit of God inside of us, inside the church, and the Bride of the church, 
all at the unction of the Holy Spirit saying, Jesus, come back. Jesus, come back. Jesus, come back. Thus the Holy Spirit is at work in the Bible from beginning to end. Now tonight we're going to talk more specifically about how to receive and uh, in just some detail a little bit that's helpful uh, just from personal testimony that I had and I give my testimony a little bit and I think a testimony is pretty powerful sometimes uh, just to help us understand. So why don't we stand up? So we've already had our, our time of ministry, right? We've had a great time. But I just can't resist. Uh, so what I'd like to do is if I could have the musicians come up and uh, because, uh, you know, if you would like just to receive the presence of God up here today, maybe you uh, matter of fact, I'll just say this. Uh, even today, if you would like to come and someone to pray over you to receive your prayer language or tongues, you could do it even right now if you like, okay? Now, we've already been here a while, so if you need to go, feel free. But tonight, we're going to go after that again. And if you missed that, my class is always open. And so I talk all the dimensions of the Holy Spirit in my class. And so I'm getting toward the end of my class, but you can show up if you like, because we're getting to a really interesting part. Because it turns out that's not just speaking in tongues. It's not just miracles and signs and works that the Spirit does through this. But one of the biggest things that I have my friend Eddie Puark, who's sitting in the back, to uh, blame and to thank, <laughs> is I didn't know there's this little thing called the love of God. Oh, sounds simple. It's like speaking a language you never learn. Sounds simple. But when God talks about the love of God, and the ability to impart that love to your heart. He calls it first love, but then there's this baptism of love that's in the scriptures. It was part of the early church's mix, part of what they experienced. So this love of God, I talk about in my class, and it wrecks you. It's so simple. Like, if I speak in a language, that sounds simple. But if it's infused with the spirit and meaning, it's different. Love is so simple. I'm supposed to love people. But how do you know we live in a generation that's rapidly running out of love? And love can be a supernatural resource that is so deep and so powerful, so overwhelming. I just never... So I literally went on this journey with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to talk about it a little bit tonight. And then I'll talk about it in my, I talk about it in my class. And these are some of the things we go over. So the only reason I mentioned the love part is because we're kind of getting to that part of my class. So you like to come into my class on Wednesdays and hang out at that part. It's pretty cool because I'll tell you, I'll give my testimony about it. I might talk a little bit about it tonight. But it um, turns out that what's in the Holy Spirit is not just a little language you learn, but there is are impartations of faith, hope, and love that are so deep and so dramatic. It'll rock your life. It'll rock you. God can bring so much love, so much compassion to you. It will undo you. It will help you put into perspective everything you've learned about God because in the end, God's love, right? And when love comes and it's not just think, so an ought to, but begins to touch your heart. It begins to melt you from the inside out. You feel firmly, completely embraced by God the Father. Then what happens is you begin to love other people in a way you never had, could before. We love because he first loved us. That first love part isn't just an initial love of Jesus and then you go 50 years and then you die. It's, it's you had a like wonderful time at some movement or whatever. No. 
This love I'm talking about stays, abides, gets bigger and bigger till it swallows you. And every bit of unforgiveness, every bit of bitterness, every bit of hatred just melts. And you begin to look like Jesus. You begin to look like Jesus. You're equipped both with love and power. Right? Yeah, I can't help it. Maybe we should release a little love here today. You'd like to stay. So just, or anything else from the Holy Spirit. Maybe you'd just like to come and say, God, I need you. Holy Spirit, please. Fill me again. I, it's been a while. And maybe I don't know what they're even talking about, but boy, it sounds good to me. I just need you to touch me. So you could do that right now. We'll take some time. Maybe some of us will help. Maybe some of us could help me, the ministry team, and we'll just pray for people and ask for God to help them and bless them all right, on this Pentecost Sunday. And tonight, I'm going to do it more formally. We're going to talk about all these things a little bit more specifically, and then we're going to have where we lay hands and an impartation time. And I especially encourage you to come, if you're new, to the things of the Spirit. You have a new person, maybe a new child, maybe. We have a fair number of kids sometimes that come. And what we're going to do is I'm just going to talk a little bit, and then I'm going to lay, we're going to lay hands on them, and some of them will get their prayer language, and some will get an impartation of love or prophetic gifting or whatever, all right? And if I could have some folks just uh, ministering to these folks, I don't know what we're going to minister what the Lord has for us tonight, but uh, Lord, I just ask God as people come today and this Pentecost and want to be filled with the Spirit again, and maybe for the first time, I pray you just come. In Jesus' name, as we worship. If you need to go, feel free to go. If you'd like to stay for a little while longer, stay. And we're just going to pray for people a little bit. And then tonight, we'll go at it again formally with this thing we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <laughs>